0: You just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. I try to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins!
1: Pats interference. I, I think Alabama makes it to the college football playoff. I've got what I feel could be the number one playmaker in college football. Baker
0: Mayfield. Dude's a stud. I'm 5'7", 130. Do you think I'm big enough to be either David Robinson or Tim Duncan? Get ready. It's going to be a good year. What's up, everybody? Year 4, episode 27, the penultimate episode in year 4. I may come back and do some off-season episodes. We'll see about that and talk about that in a bit. But this is the second-to-last episode of the year. The national championship is over and done. Clemson-whooping Alabama 44-16. Brick, you were there. Uh, I'll get your hot takes in a minute. Uh, But for right now, this is a college football podcast, your favorite college football podcast. Uh, Pat's Interference is uh myself patrick norwood my best friend in the whole world whole world patrick brickman whole world in birmingham alabama i'm in durham north carolina we are alabama graduates uh who have been doing this college football podcast for a few years now um let's go ahead and get social out of the way shall we no we'll plug social later because it'll tie in better it'll tie in better yeah uh, we'll Rick, do th- how yeah, are you
1: yeah uh, i'm good man um it's been a while since we since the last time we podcast it was before uh the national championship but you know everything has been you know we're, we're, we're two working men. Um, and, you know, you went on a little cruise. Um, oh, and course. then I didn't, well, I didn't do anything since the national championship. Yeah. So, how, I was, yeah. how was your, uh, how was your, how was the cruise?
0: The, the cruise was good. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that right before the cruise, my grandfather did pass away. He was a lifelong Alabama fan. Uh, I know he was crushed after the game on Monday night. Uh, and he he passed away in his sleep later in the week. So rest in peace, Glenn Williams. That's my mother's father. Uh, I don't think he would have ever listened to the podcast, but I'm sure if he would have known how to work devices, he would have listened to it. Uh, loved Alabama football. Loved SEC football. Uh, he will be missed, but I know he's in a better place. So now that we're past that RIP, uh, the cruise was great. Jade Stoner and I had a wonderful time. Uh, met a lot of wonderful Bahamians. Bought, bought a lot of things, ate a lot of food, you know, partied all the time, got down tonight, all that stuff. All the 70s songs. It was good, man. It was <laughs> good. How was your your New Year slash going into the National Championship? I know you were sick for some time.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, you mentioned I got sick. I got sick at the National Championship. Like, uh, we went on, th- probably, the game was on Monday. We flew, th- I think we got there Thursday. And by Saturday, I was, I got the flu. And um, it was horrible on Sunday and very, very bad on the day of the game. I was, well, you know, adrenaline's a funny thing. So I actually was mostly fine during the game and then, uh, you know, for the first few minutes afterward. But as soon as we sat down and started working on our stuff, it all came back. And I've been dealing with that, but uh, that's now gone. And, um, yeah, I've just been looking forward to uh, recording this episode, um, you know, uh, we're doing a couple things today. Uh, we're going to talk, you know, post-national championship. we got to get our reactions to it as much as we, you know, two Alabama grads don't really want to get in depth on that. We have to because we're good sports. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the transfers and the coaching news, just some of the post-national championship news. There's a good bit, but not a ton, uh, probably more than a normal year. But that's because of, um, well, this new phenomenon, buddy. This new phenomenon, this new realm called the Transfer Portal. Ooh. Yeah, it sounds mysterious. And uh, a it number does. of players entered the portal. I wonder what it looks like inside. And then we're going to do um something that we've kind of skipped out on the last couple years. But we're going to do it this year again because we really enjoyed it the first time we did it. The Patties. It's what we call our fake award show. That We need to
0: come up with like a, there needs to be like a song there. You know, like the Oscars has or the Golden Globes have.
1: Do you have any friends with like a good voice that could just record something cheesy on their phone, like "It's the Patties. and then we just uh, do, like a violin? Just
0: and... you, just you. That's you're my only friend who could do that. I think.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe I'll take that clip and turn it into something, or I probably won't because I don't. Anyway, <laughs> so and then, so we're gonna we're going require to require editing. <laughs> we're gonna go over the nominees for these um sort of. Sort of college football season-wide related awards where we, you know, it's it'll be fun. We're going to have some fun with that it's, as well. It's so, the patties. It's yeah. the patties. Don't worry about it. So that's what we're doing today. Um, oh, I guess we said, we said we're we going to start with the national championship. Uh, buddy, Alabama in this game learned a lesson that they hadn't learned in a long time. You know, they, yeah. they, they thought it don't be like that, but it, it really do be like that it, sometimes. It, be, it, it do be like that sometimes. It, it really uh, do.
0: Yeah, from from the jump, you know, I don't want to break it down too much play by play, but, um, you know, from the jump, Tua Tungvaluva throws a pick six, and it's already, you're in the hole seven nothing. Alabama charges back um, going into halftime. You know, it didn't look great for Alabama, but things could have been going a lot worse, Um, you know, and so I I think fans were still optimistic, uh, and then Clemson completely dominated in the second half. Um, just never looked back, really kind of took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter completely. Um, Trevor Lawrence with a heck of a game, 20 for 32, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Tua didn't have a terrible game. Did throw two picks. Um, uh, he's 22 for 34 for 295 and two touchdowns. Travis Etienne carried the ball pretty well. Uh, Alabama had a great ground game running, but it came to a point in the game brick where they just couldn't really, they couldn't afford the time to run the ball. Um so you know it just uh, kind of went away from it um and then uh, Ross and Judy both had heck, just unbelievable games they Ross did. especially six catches 153 yards and a touchdown a couple of one-handed grabs that were unbelievable um, Jerry Judy had a big game too, breaking ankles left and right. Like he normally did, um, was really hitting his routes very, very well. And then soft hands through the catch. Um, but it was just too much Clemson in this game. Uh, Nick Saban's worst loss at Alabama. Um, so brick, I want to ask you, I, I, you know, again, I don't want to break down play by play of the game. What was the absolute turning point in your mind? Cause I think you had a good take on this, uh, as to when you thought, uh-oh, Alabama's in a lot of trouble
1: here. Well, there's a there's a point to where, you know, because this, this became a, essentially a snowball scenario where it just kind of snowballed out of Alabama's direction and they just never, they didn't respond to it well at all because it's a situation that none of the players it's on new. the team had ever been on. It's new. That right. no Nick Saban team had ever been in that position. But, you know, Alabama never really felt at any point in the game that they... They never felt in control, but they also never felt like the better team on the field, in my mind. There was no, not a point in that game where I'm like, Alabama's playing better than Clemson. And I'm sure probably the players on the sideline, even, even when they responded to the pick six with a bomb to Judy, I mean, then immediately Clemson goes out and scored a quick touchdown. Um, and then, you know, Alabama takes a 16-14 lead. I mean, Alabama took a lead in this game, but... They took a lead off of a field goal when they were, you know, on the three-yard line. I mean, it was like, that was a win for Clemson. And that was the point where it got out. I mean, that was the first, that's the last score that Alabama had in that game. But that was the right. point where just Clemson just flipped the switch and just dominated for the rest of the game. That was probably, when they scored the field goal, I think you're on the ESPN um, side. You could probably see exactly when it came, but it was probably mid-second quarter. Uh, you're correct on that. Um,
0: yeah, it was, well, it was actually right after it started. Oh, was, uh, it, was it fourteen okay. eighteen left in the second quarter?
1: Okay. So right after the second, that's right. Because the, um, they were going third and goal going out of the first quarter. Um, and then, yeah, I mean for three quarters, Clemson just everything went right for them and they, I mean, right. Alabama they... did a lot of
0: shooting themselves in the foot too. There was, there was a lot of miscues, a lot of dumb penalties Interceptions, uncharacteristic things uh, by Tua for sure. Um, a few dropped passes even, I think. Yeah. Uh, but Brick, the, you, you said something, and I, 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 while I don't want to disagree with you, I will, I will put something in your brain because sure. I want you to think of it in this light as well. Um, Alabama was running the ball all over Clemson pretty successfully in the first half, correct?
1: Yes, they, they, were, they were pretty successful. So especially, especially Jacobs, you, what what I'm
0: trying to say is through the first, I would say you're right. After that field goal, it never felt like Alabama had a chance at all. Uh, but I will say um, up until that field goal, Alabama was establishing a run. The pass game was kind of picking up. It just seemed like they were going to find their rhythm at some point and just kind of never did. And after that field goal, it really didn't. But I still thought Alabama was the better team. Up until that field goal, just because they were able to establish the run games as hard as they were,
1: yeah, I guess, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, but I, I don't think that Alabama ever felt comfortable. I, I don't. I because when they even when they scored, they they you know Clemson would have a quick response. Clemson was doing things against Alabama. We we knew we said going into the game. I knew what Clemson, I thought I knew what Clemson was going to do, and they were going to attack the corners. Um, and they were the I was I was afraid of Justin Ross and T. Higgins. That was my big fear. I'm like, I don't know what the answer is gonna be to them. And that was that was the matchup that that decided the game. Because they were pretty I mean, like you said, I mean Etienne and and Josh Jacobs were having similar type games. Tua and Lawrence were both passing the ball pretty well. Najee Harris Harris was running the ball pretty well. But you know You know that, that first I guess the first quarter was the only and and even after, you said after the field goal, it didn't feel like Alabama could win. I thought they, I mean, I still thought they would win after the field goal when they went up 16-14, but that's just to me where, you know, Clemson just, everything came to a head for them, and, and, you know, Alabama shot themselves in the foot a couple times. Clemson, I think, got two more touchdowns before halftime. We knew yeah. coming out of halftime that Alabama was, they were getting the ball, and they needed to come out and score and they didn't they just I don't remember how that drive ended but they did not and then Clemson scored again and then it was like oh, yeah. okay this is now they're down yeah. 21 Nick Saban's ever been here oh, man that's that's the last thing that needed to happen to threw through a pick and it was over
0: it's it's over it's over so Clemson is your national champion um the first team to ever go 15 and oh um you know I I still I still don't know of anyone in the country who doesn't think that it's going to be those two teams, at least in the conversation for the national championship this time next year, or, well, I guess no, not this no time next year. No doubt that they're going to
1: be one and two, you know. Right. Every poll right. is going to be different. One, Some polls are going to have Alabama at one. Clemson's going to be at two. There's not going to be a single poll, the legitimate poll, um, viable poll, that's going to have either of those two teams out of the top two spots. Right, right. I agree. Um, So just
0: going from here, Uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. If you're Alabama, we'll talk Alabama first. Um, if you're Alabama, where do you go from here? What are your next steps? Um, lost a lot of pieces on the defense. Basically had to, you know, the house was cleaned on, uh, on Alabama's coaching staff. So where do you go from here? What are your next steps? If you're, uh, an Alabama football fan
1: coach, you know, what, what happens next? Well, first, you know, it starts with, with Nick Saban and how he responds. I think he's pissed. Um, I think a lot of the departures we're seeing on the coaching staff are because Nick Saban was unhappy with the coaching staff. I don't yeah. think Enos was part of this plan. I don't think Josh Gaddis was part of the plan, but I think pretty much everyone else, Lupoy, I don't think he was um, going to be back a defensive uh, coordinator regardless of what happened in this game. Um, uh, defensive line coach. I, I, there's a lot of going on. He's pissed. He's pissed off. He's tired of Dabo. He, he doesn't like not being seen as the best coach in college football, and I guarantee there are people out there that think Dabo Swinney's a better coach right now and Clemson's a yes. better program, and it's because of something that I harp on a lot. We're slaves to the moment, and yep. um, you know, you're know, you not completely off base if you think that. Clemson's set up, man. They've got two years of, of Lawrence and Ross. They've got good running backs. They've got other receivers that haven't played yet. It feels like Alabama. Right now, you know, they feel yeah, like the sure. way we feel about Alabama. Pretty much every off season. so there's two teams right now. There are two kings of college football, but one of them's wearing the crown. Right. And Nick Saban's got to wear. The, you know, he's got to get that crown back, and so. Right. They're not. In, they're not in trouble. It's just you know, if you're a fan, you ask. You know, if you're a fan, Alabama's standing in college football is not in trouble. It just, you know, right. it sucks that they lost. That the dy- the dynasty's not dead. No. There's there's all
0: sorts of hot takes out right now. You, I mean, it, it depends it, on who you want to go to. There's people like you and I I think, uh, you know, Alabama had a very bad night. Both of those teams play their A game and it's, you know, I think Alabama wins 6 out of the 10, but they weren't better
1: on that night and it showed. And it that's showed. What, you know, and you got to get it and it's not sucks. a knock at Clemson. What um, the hard thing for Alabama fans to swallow is that they don't get to do that a lot you know right i'm a dolphins fan you're a braves fan we're fans of other teams that don't win every year and it's and it's it predators yes you know um and they're just games where they're just we man we just sucked we just sucked today man we were just bad we were bad and you know Usually Alabama can get away with doing that, but not in a national title game. And Alabama's never come out and played like that in a national title or semifinal game. And it's a new feeling. Even when they've lost to teams, even when they lost to Clemson the first time, even when they lost to Ohio State and, you know, other than, like, Oklahoma. But even then, they didn't lose by that much. Alabama's never lost by more than two touchdowns. So it's a new feeling. Right. We don't get to sit here and go, well, if this had gone different... Alabama would have won. I don't think there's anything that could have gone different in that game. Right. Even Alabama scoring a touchdown instead of the field goal that really changes the outcome of the game. No. Uh. You know. I. I. Well. I don't know. I'm
0: because it's a butterfly effect. It's all about momentum. It's all about the butterfly effect and all that type of stuff. But I. I. I get what you're saying. There's. There's not a lot that could have happened that really. Um, changed the structure yeah, of the was, game as far as game Alabama plan, was I'm
1: out outcoached, out and outplayed and and and, and out schemed. Just yeah, that's the and it happens. Every team does. I mean, you know, Jordan lost basketball games. Jordan had bad shooting nights. Eventually, James Harden's not going to score thirty points in a game, and you know, sometimes Usain Bolt wakes up feeling just a little slow. It happens. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So no, I think uh, the Alabama Doomsdayers are, are back and can you know convinced that it's the end of the dynasty and the road leads to nowhere and all that and I I just don't feel that way. Alabama just signed uh, Nick Saban just signed his greatest recruiting
1: class of all time, uh, what many are calling anyway. Yeah, and, um, here's, the, and here's and here's the big thing about that because every time this happens, right? Alabama lost to Ohio State, uh, Alabama lost to Clemson, and Alabama's lost to Clemson again. Every time it happens. Nick Saban always comes back with a response. So if there's one like it's not silver lining because there's no way to silver line a loss of the national championship game. Hey, if you'd won then your legacy would look a lot different, right? If Drew Brees right. was going to the Super Bowl, which he should be, going to a Super Bowl at 38 changes your legacy in a way that he's not he might not ever get back. But Right. Or you
0: know, if you're D Ford and you line up offsides because you went to Auburn and you didn't learn how to do it correctly, then yeah, you're also, you know, that messes up your legacy as well. So I get what you're
1: saying. Exactly. But this doesn't, this isn't going to crumble the program. Like, hey, some teams, when they lose stuff like this, they never recover.
0: That's it. Yeah.
1: You know, and I, I, if I sat here long enough, I could, I mean, the the Cavs. The Cavs just lost, you know, they lost, they got swept by the Warriors and the team just, I mean, LeBron left, but. And there's other, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of embarrassing losses out there. Michigan never recovered from the loss to App State, just never did. You know, but Alabama's yep. always come back and won a title the next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, on the on the flip side, uh, this is the last thing we'll mention about this before we put a bow on the season. Uh, Clemson, you've got a hot take about Dabo Sweeney that I want you to get into right quick.
1: Yeah, I think that this. I think that this. In my mind, I. And I could be off. I have no idea what the man's thinking. But I, I don't see any way he goes to Alabama after, you know, if Saban, let's say Saban leaves within the next two years, three years. I don't see any way Dabo follows and goes to Alabama. He's got it too good. He's got it too good. And honestly, he's got to be looking at, at, at what happened and what's happened, you know, in the prior years and going, all right, I'm at Clemson. I have something built here. They're going to be naming the stadium and street names after me for, for 100 years to come. Why? Why? Why would I leave? Uh, you know, how is how is Alabama that much better than what I've built here? And I'm not right. sa- I'm not saying if this is true or false, but this is what has to be going on in his head because he's going. You know, I played these guys three times in national title games. I beat them twice, and the first time they needed an onside kick to to beat me in and in a kickoff return for a touchdown. So man, I got these guys. Then number. you played them in the playoff and got slaughtered. Right, but but wait, hey, national titles, national championships. He's he's. One, two of three, and I, this again, I'm not saying that this is right or wrong, but if I were in his shoes, this is how I'd be feeling about myself. Have you got, man? I got these guys' number? I got him. I just beat him at 28. Nobody's ever done that against this coach. Yeah. I gave him his yeah, worst loss right. since 2006 against the bills. By the way, Long that was the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm not even going I'm not even to get into that. But um yeah, so again, that that's my hot take on Clemson and then just if if you ask me to to put money on a team to win the title. Right? I've always said Alabama on this podcast. But man, I I would have trouble not doing it on putting it on Clemson. Yeah,
0: I, re- it'd be, I mean, I, I want to really wait and see would. who
1: Alabama gets in the office first. but Much, much easier road to the playoff. I mean, and I'm just saying, they're set up. They are set up, right? Much easier road. Their toughest test. They're going to play Texas A&M next year, but so is Alabama. Their toughest <laughs> right. test outside of A&M in their own conference is Syracuse or whoever they play in the ACC title. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. So, plus, you know, yeah. they get two more Syracuse, years. Of-
0: Syracuse does get them at home next year. Um, they do play Texas A and M, but uh, that game will be in um, in Greenville. So that you know, that's not really. I, I don't know. I'm not huge on Texas A and M next year, like everybody else is. But- no,
1: I think they're. I think they're uh, ascending. I don't know that they're ascending to a power, but they're they're on the rise. Okay, and I would like to remind everybody that uh, I was pretty much picking. Trevor Lawrence is my husband next year in probably early November, late October. I just want to tell everybody that I was doing it before it was cool. I am a Trevor Lawrence hipster.
0: Yes, you are. You are also saying, uh, and I quote, who in the world is going to beat Alabama? I so, did say it.
1: We, we both said that back in October. Right.
0: Right. We so just shut out just,
1: LSU at home. Or yeah. yeah, in LSU. But yes, we just I, shut them out. Who's beating well, this team? We just shut out the number three team in the country, Brian Denny West. So, um, yeah, there's plenty more time to talk about Clemson, Alabama, Trevor Lawrence, all these guys. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, he's the new golden boy. Sorry, Tua, but (laughs) you're now number two. Like I said, there's two, there's two kings of college football, but only one of them is wearing the crown right now.
0: Right, you're number two again. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. To wrap up. Uh, the college football season, I'm going to read this every year because I, I love this quote. Um, it's a tweet from EDSBS after the national championship in 2018. Um, he said, I get to do this as a part of my job, and it is always a joy, as stupid and as flawed as it is, to watch college football with you all. It is a joy because of the players who who deserve so much more than they get and will probably one day get their due. Uh. Because you only get to watch them so long before they go and become something more adult, hardened, and cynical. Something more like you probably are as an adult. And by seeing that for just a little bit, you can get something really, really joyous sometimes. And that's a lot of the reason I can still watch college football. So thank you for playing along.
1: That quote hit me harder this year than it did last year.
0: Yeah. I think my
1: situation's a little different, and I I, I cover college football. I didn't really cover much college football in Panama City. We covered FSU, but not, you know... It college football is is the ticket where I am, so it, it yeah man that was awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's I mean it's you know it's so the greatest sport in the world. I hope I
1: hope here's, you read that again next year. Don't don't forget to read it again after after uh, year five of Pat's interference. Um, uh,
0: here's here's a hot take to You know what? I'm gonna save it for the sound off. Never mind. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to the coaching carousel. And oh boy, what a carousel it is! It's a carousel driven by Nick Saban at the helm. That's spinning so quickly, it's just launching coaches out of the
1: carousel. <laughs> Britt, give us the the the, the skinny, the well, scuttlebutt, the hot goss. Well, we knew we knew we knew Loxley was leaving. That was known. We knew Brent Key was leaving. That was announced during the you know the days coming up to the national championship. Uh, shortly thereafter, you had um, uh, Josh Gaddis say he was going to Michigan to be offensive coordinator. It's an upgrade. He you know going from wide receivers coach to offensive coordinator. Um, that's there's kind of an interesting story about that. Uh, we 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 ran a soundbite from him from a podcast that he was on, where he was kind of saying that it gave an interesting insight. You know, Nick Saban was not happy that Gaddis was leaving. It was trying to get him to stay, and you know. We, whenever Nick Saban gets in front of a microphone about this, he always talks about how, well, you know, we always try to help our coaches get better jobs. But no, he actually does get mad when these coaches leave. Uh, shortly after Gaddis was leaving, we learned that Dan Enos, who everybody expected to, to replace Michael Oxley, and was, we kind of all felt was in the works, not officially, but it was sort of, a, it was the worst kept secret, secret at the Alabama program. Well, no, he's going to Miami. Apparently he packed his stuff up in the middle of the night after everybody had left the facility and then just didn't show up to work the next day. That's that's the, the rumor on the streets. Um, then Tosh Lupoy. he's with the Cleveland Browns. Defensive line coach is gone. There are six coaches that have left since the title game. Why does this happen at Alabama? Only Alabama, it seems. You know, Georgia's had some great seasons. They've only lost Mel Tucker. Venables, nobody can get him out of Clemson. Or anybody out of Clemson, they've lost one offensive coordinator. Alabama loses an offensive coordinator every year, sometimes in the middle of the year. Why is it yeah. that it only happens in Tuscaloosa? I'm seriously, this is. Do you have it? Why? Uh I, I think that. Um, I think it's. I think
0: it's tough to work for Nick Saban. Honestly, I, I really do, and I'm not. I'm not saying that to be critical of Saban or anything like that, but. He is the greatest of all time, period. He is the greatest college football coach to ever do it. To work for a guy like that, who you know is such a perfectionist and such an elitist in everything that he does, who very rarely gives any sort of compliment, thumbs up, uh, you know, pat yourself on the back until the season is over. Um, And honestly, I, I think... It comes to a point with Nick Saban where he says, you know, uh, guys, I've been able to do this with a lot of coordinators. um, So when we don't win a championship, it's not me. It's got to be one of y'all. And I think the years where Alabama loses big games, loses the championship, he harbors a lot of that against his coordinators and they want to leave. And then in the years where they're successful, he talks them up so big that everybody wants them and they leave. So, you know, I I don't really know... A for sure black and white answer.
1: No, that's um, that's 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 good. So if I uh, to add on to especially the first part where it's hard to work for them, you feel like maybe some of these coaches go, "All right, I'm going to go coach at Alabama under Nick Saban. I'm going to learn a ton. It's not going to be fun, right? It's just not going to be fun. Right. But I will advance my career doing it one or two years. And so you know, then they go and they see the first opportunity they can get, and it's not that they're skipping town. But it's like, all right, I can just go there, then I can leave and go do it my own way. Yeah. And not all these yeah. coaches are getting, you know, head coaching jobs, right? Lou no. with the Browns, but a lot of people thought the Lou wouldn't come back either way. But, you know, Gattis went to go be a coordinator somewhere. Enos went to go be a coordinator. He It wasn't even a lateral move. He was going to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He was. We knew it. Everybody knew it. He was expected in the meetings as such. And... He's one to go coach in the ACC so, and for a coordinator yeah. position under a worse coach. Another
0: another interesting thing, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, was Saban's bite on um, having his players be his players for life. Then yeah, that I, was you good. Know, he said was they're good. not just here for three or four or five years. Um, they're, they're here and they're my guys for life. Um, so then on top of that, uh, he went on to say that he felt like one of the reasons this year they weren't successful is because the coaches did not do, the coaching staff did not do a good job of building relationships with the players. Wow,
1: that is, sorry, I'm not I'm not to hijack what you're saying there because we'll get back to it. But the fact that they, they were undefeated, they were going into the national championship. They were in the discussion of the greatest team in college football history. What they did from September to the end of October, to really, to... The end of November had not ever been done. They were beat the margin of victory, stuff like that, just untouchable. So to go, ah, oh, wasn't and you're right. It wasn't. This will not be seen as a successful year at Alabama. But that's just an insane standard to live up to. Right,
0: and that's I think that's part of it too. Is just yeah, um, you weren't good enough because you didn't win one game.
1: Fourteen uh, and one, and everybody kind of came out just just feeling bad about this team after f- just 14-1. and one. You never yeah. want to be the team that gets the one game-doesn't-define-you speech from Nick Saban. Right.
0: And I think, you know, I think uh, like I said, I think it's just tough to live up to that expectation, and I think it's tough to work for a guy like that. And that's not anyone's fault. That's not a Nick Saban problem. That's not an Alabama problem. Joel Clatt, one of the biggest look-at-me-I'm-giving-you-a-hot-take people in college football, uh, said that Alabama is a factory, not a family. I couldn't disagree more. I think it's a family. I just think it's a different type of family. And I think it's hard to build a family when guys are constantly leaving. You know, you can't blame all of it on Saban either. There's, there's just – it comes to a point where some of the guys just don't have the loyalty to stick around, like a Kirby Smart or a Scott Cochran. Because if it we're really that terrible – Everybody would leave every single year.
1: Yeah, no, and I know the, it's. The, the I Joel know it seems like thing. that
0: lately, but look at the decade. Look at the entire dynasty. It hasn't
1: traditionally been this way. Joel Klatt with 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 the family factory thing. Joel Klatt's the, the kind of guy that constantly speaks to the lowest common denominator, the people that pay the least attention, and and he's a person that barely pays attention. Anybody that that follows Alabama football and follows the players and. Sees them season from season. I mean, and Blake Sims comes back and practices with the team. You know, yeah. players enjoy playing it out. Al- not every player. Alabama's not for everybody, but you know that could be said for anything. You know, Jacksonville State University's not for everybody. Tulane's not for every. Not of course, but for the most part, people like playing at Alabama as much as people like playing at Clemson. The people that like playing at Clemson. So yeah, yeah I mean, Joel Klatsch just. It's so easy it's, it's, on the just, surface for us to go. Look at me,
0: I'm giving a hot take. And it's, yeah. it's frustrating, but that's the type of guy who wants to be. In, but he's, in more he's, he's
1: speaking to the people that only see just the surface level. like Oh, yeah, Nick Saban's not a super personable guy, so he must not be, you know, oh, you think people don't like playing for the Patriots? He would never say that about the Patriots. Right. They have right. the same so. level of success. They lost the Super Bowl last year. Clat wasn't coming out going, well, you know, it's just a family or a, fa- a factory over there. No, he just has to do it. Anyway, yeah,
0: no, it's just it's things like that that, again, it's the doomsdayers. It's the Alabama's never going to be back on top. I, you asked me after second and 26 when Tua threw that pass uh, the next day, you asked me how many does Saban have, right? Or maybe not the next day, but the next episode of Pat's interference. How many more to Saban have under his belt by the time he leaves Alabama? And I said one, maybe two. And I, I still think we're on pace for that. I think there's a very slim chance he gets two more before he retires. I think there's a very good chance he gets at least one more.
1: Yeah, I would um, say, I would agree.
0: It's just, and I think, honestly, another, uh, another thing to the testament of college football and why I love this sport so much is, do you know how hard it is to become a back-to-back champion? Because you do now. Look at the last four years. It's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievably hard. Ohio State hasn't even made it back to the championship
1: game since winning theirs. No, Clemson. Clemson dealt with with um, you know uh, players getting satisfied after their first one. You know, yeah. And the next yeah. year, the next year, you know, they were just kind of struggling along through the season, and you know, they they, they played in waves. Um, it's not even that Alabama got satisfied. It's just lot, it, people sometimes break things down too much, in my opinion. Right. Because, dude. By week two of next season, there's going to be so many other things that matter than the, than, than, you know, just don't they just they just lost a game. It's, it's a game, it's a sport, it's for children, you know, it's right. for kids. Like they lost a game.
0: Again, we're <sighs> frustrated because we can't predict 18 to 22 year olds,
1: you know, yeah, it's can't. Okay. So, um, that's how it is. LM lost What's... their whole coaching staff. Not really any major head coaching news unless you care that Manny, uh, Diaz, Diaz. Kind of, left. and that we might have talked about that in the last podcast. Nothing crazy there, but I do want to talk a little bit—not a ton, but some—on um, the 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 phenomenon of the transfer portal. Uh,
0: yeah, it's it's interesting, and I think Manny Diaz is a guy you can look at and say, "Oh, he's winning this." <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Actually, yes, he has he has taken everybody. Um, you know, he's got Tate Martell from Ohio State, uh, Justin Fields. Ah, uh, transferred to Ohio State. Ah, uh, he grabbed a defensive end from Virginia Tech. He grabbed, I think, a wide receiver out of the transfer portal. I mean, there are a whole heap of guys. He's going doing to Miami. what Lane Kiffin tried to do, but Lane Kiffin was just doing it with castaways. Right, right. Um. So yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think the transfer portal is interesting. Jalen Hurts, um, and Tate Martell, I think, are the two biggest names, and Justin Fields. Yeah, I'd go um, Fields. The three. The three biggest names in the transfer portal, Jalen Hurts going to uh, Norman to play at Oklahoma. I think he'll have a good season next year because uh, you and I were talking the other night on the phone. That is a program where it is built around quarterbacks like him that can move with their legs and, you know, have a decent enough arm. Uh, And I I think he's going to have a huge year next year there. Um, You know, I think he's definitely going to win that job and be the guy for them and lead them to maybe not an undefeated season or even a playoff season, but definitely a 10-win a season, I'd say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I expect, you know, Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma is, and I've had people try to tell me that it's not good for Hurts. It's too much. I don't know. I don't even know how anybody can
0: I don't, yeah, look at not that and go.
1: Again, pe- some, so many people are, I don't even know, like maybe they're not competitive enough or I don't know what it is, but. Again, Jalen Hurts. Nobody puts themselves in other people's shoes, maybe, is what I'm trying to say. That guy has to—if if nobody else believes in him, because nobody believed in him after the national championship, right? I didn't. Right. You didn't. None of us did. Nobody did. Alabama fans were like, he needs to transfer. We don't even want him on the team because we don't want him in the—he's discuss- he's a hindrance to Tua, and all we want to see is more of number 13. And nobody believed and in the he- guy.
0: Then he saved the season.
1: Right. And then we all, okay, we'll, we'll admit that he's good. He's just not good enough. It's, nobody believed in him. He's a competitor. He has to, yeah, none of us expect him to go be an NFL superstar. But that shouldn't stop him from trying to chase that dream. That's what pisses me off sometimes about people. It's like, no, yeah. okay, sure. Like, I'm just trying to think of, a you know, a Derek Keefe at Alabama. Yeah, he's not, he's probably almost certainly not going to go break records in the NFL. But he should absolutely be chasing that dream. You don't have to talk down. You know, it's just... Anyway, so Hertz took... A... Remember the situation he was in this time last year. Just try to remember. I know it's hard because so much has happened, and we all know what it, it became of it. Think of where he was at this point last year, right? We were talking about, is he going to transfer to FAU to play with Lane Kiffin? Um, you know, what right. we, we, we weren't throwing... He's, he's about to go be the starting quarterback under lincoln riley yeah at oklahoma yeah. at oklahoma at oklahoma and
0: again i i think he i think he is a big win for the transfer portal um I, I, it, for him personally i would say the other i think is justin fields um going to ohio state uh very interesting there tate martell uh if you know the name tate martell uh he's ass my dude he's ass my was, dude was tate martell's quote yes. um but I think Justin Fields heading to Ohio State is huge because uh, that's again another conference where a quarterback like that can succeed. Uh, oh, and Justin yeah. Fields was very unhappy at Georgia.
1: I think Justin Fields is an, an immediate Heisman Trophy contender. You know, I'm not. I yes. don't know if he's going to be it, but I, I, I he has that talent, and I've said that for a while. I mean him and him and Lawrence were one and two, one A and one B last year as far as quarterbacks. Yeah. And
0: all, I think, all we remember I think Justin Fields too. Because
1: do we know if he's eligible to play yet? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he's gotten a, a lot of people expect him to get that waiver. I don't really right. know. There's so many loopholes. I mean, Tate Martell's right. trying to find a, some sort of waiver. And he... how? Why? He just, did, you know, he's, but he he's yeah. trying to be able to play next year. And, and you know, right. you just had a recruit actually that was taking classes at USC for two weeks find a way to get to Texas. I mean, it's crazy, but, um, yeah. Uh, and then the other one, like I said, is Tate Martell heading to Miami.
0: Manny Diaz really building a program there, um, eh, worth watching. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I, you know, I think it's I think it's something interesting. I think uh, I think there's gonna be a point in time uh, for Miami when it's their time to shine. Uh, and you know we'll see what kind of quarterback Tate Martell is at that point.
1: Yeah, and then they'll get boat raced by Clemson. Um, yes, <laughs> uh, you know you had some other minor ones like like Brandon Wimbush going to UCF. So you know not huge, but UCF does have a start a decent starting quarterback for next year. Um, uh, there were a couple. Josh Jackson's leaving Virginia Tech. We don't know where he's going yet. Um, there are a couple. There are a couple others. Those were the big names. Um. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's it's a new it's a really it's a new era of college football. While I stall and see if I'm not forgetting anyone important, but this is like you know, first of all, how did we get where did the transfer portal come from? Wait, we we've never well, used that term. Now all of a sudden it's like such and well, such is it's it's with this new rule. It's with this new
0: rule because you know, you can grad transfer and then okay, well you can redshirt uh, even though you played in four games, you know there's so many different things, and I think this year it really came to a head because so many big names. I mean, you had Jalen Hurts in there who led his team to two national titles, and he transferred. You know, you had Justin Fields who people were arguing should be ahead of the end of J- Jake Fromm in the depth chart at Georgia before the season started. Even though Jake Fromm led his team to a national title, you had Tate Martell, a guy who is a five-star recruit. Um, who was confident enough in himself to tweet after Justin Fields transferred uh, that he wasn't going anywhere, and then ended up kind of going somewhere. But I think it's just the fact you had this many big names. The transfer portal has always been there. Oh, it's always been there. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of smaller schools at High Point, it was always in discussion. Uh, well, are you in the transfer portal yet? Yes. No. Well, you need to be in it so we can contact you and all this type of stuff. Um, you know, things like that just happen. Um, especially for small schools. So the transfer portal has always been there, but now it's just such a bigger deal because of the names that have been there.
1: Oh, let's not forget that Um, I'm looking up names now. You know, Kelly Bryant's going to Missouri. I'm pretty sure we've talked right. about it. Let's not forget that Jacob Eason's going to start at Washington next year, a guy that I'm not convinced is a worse quarterback than Jake Fromm, just a guy that kind of got hand, you know, put in a bad situation. He's probably yeah. still a very good quarterback. Um, uh, sure. Shane Buchel, from Texas is going to go somewhere and uh, Arkansas probably got their starter for next year out of this. Some guy named Ben Hicks. Well, don't know much about him. All right. That's we'll it for do, the transfers. We'll um, Cause there's nothing else more. And then, uh, yeah, let's do it. It's time for the patties, ladies and gentlemen,
0: uh, a, a great time celebrated by many and all, uh, AKA me Brick, and like six other people on Twitter. But uh, we're going to announce uh, the, um, awards and the nominees we will put everything on Twitter do you see why I wanted to save social for right now yeah. hashtag producing uh, we are on Twitter at PI underscore podcast on Facebook at Pat's Interference that's P-A-T Aposh V-S Interference we have our own website patsinterference.com dot com we may do something I may cook something up for the patties over there and then we also you can email us too if you want to email your submissions you can do it that way that's Pat'sInterference at gmail dot com um. Really, any way you want to do it, go ahead and leave us an iTunes review too. Leave us five stars, and then put your nominees in there.
1: All right. Well, we are going again. We do a number of awards just because we kind of spitball them to each other and come up with some stuff, and, uh, and then we go. And then all the voting will be on Twitter. Um,
0: yes. Uh, well, I'm going to try and we're. we're I'm going to try and fit it on everything. Oh, okay. That's. I uh, want to. Yeah, that's 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 your undertaking, buddy.
1: I've got it. I've got it. Uh, do you just want to go in the order that I texted them to you? Yeah, he, te- he texted me some, I texted him some, so we're just going to kind of go down this, uh, yeah. Uh, this text. Yeah, so this
0: is in no particular order. Um, first off, it used to be named the Marcus Dupree Award in the first Patties. Uh This was a player who had a bunch of hype that didn't really pan out. And we did uh, and this didn't...
1: fully so understanding we were going to change the name of this award.
0: Yes, and it is now the Jeremy Johnson Award. If you don't know the name Jeremy Johnson, that's the point. Because he was an Auburn quarterback that was supposed to win the Heisman and then won what, six games? It was
1: yeah, I mean this would have been the uh what the twenty fourteen or fifteen season. Twenty fifteen season. Yeah, and yeah, he was coming in. He was he was a you know, top three Heisman contender that year that just was bad, bad. Bad. So not not didn't not just not just like You know, oh, he didn't play to a Heisman standard. No, he was a substandard, below substandard starting quarterback in his conference.
0: Right. Uh, So, you know, the nominees for this award. To the point where he got benched
1: for a snowboarder.
0: uh, You may agree, may disagree with some of these. Um, Kelly Bryant, Bryce Love, Nick Bosa, and Khalil Tate out of Arizona. Um, are your nominees this year for the Jeremy Johnson Award. Khalil Tate had a lot of headway going in because he had Kevin Sumlin coming to Arizona, and we were all high on him, and he was a complete bust this year. That entire Arizona offense fell to pieces this year. Um, Nick Bosa got injured and then just quit playing football because he was worried about his NFL career, and that's just awful. Uh, Bryce Love was supposed to be the next Barry Sanders this season. ESPN ran feature after feature after feature about him. He was right behind Tua and the Heisman odds preseason, uh, and now it's just not even a question. He had a terrible year at Stanford. uh, Couldn't get the ball moving. Um, That offense was pretty inept as well. And then Kelly Bryant... Uh, lost his job to a true freshman and the eventual national champion so that's a little bit tough to put him in this category but again another guy who left his team early uh and not really in a good way um so those are your four nominees for the jeremy johnson award
1: yeah Um, and it's um i think the two names to look at here we're not going to try to tell anybody who to vote for right this is up to you this is your choice your time to uh interact with us but no uh, I, I think the two names they're going to stick out are Bryce Love and Khalil Tate it's that's a tough one between those two because those were some bona fide Heisman contenders I don't think right. Kelly Bryant was really getting Heisman buzz Nick Bosa could definitely have won like an Outland trophy but yes we not Outland uh Benarik or something but not Benarek that's wide receiver um what's the one I'm trying to think of
0: no Bolinikov is wide. yeah Bolinikov.
1: Oh, so yeah Benaric, sorry Benaric, I'm it's Sunday. I'm You're there. barely okay. functioning today. Those are the two ones. Our next one, we don't have a cute name for this one, but we have to do it. It's the best game. The best game of the year. What was the best game, everybody? What was the best? And we're not talking, what was your favorite game? Because most people would say Clemson beating Alabama. No. Right. <laughs> um, what was the best game. Uh, some obvious ones that stick out were... Um, were you know West Virginia, Texas. I remember that that was the Friday night game that went back and forth, back and forth. Um, Alabama, Georgia, and the SEC championship. You were there. We were all watching uh, Jalen Hurts' redemption game. Very good game. Um, Texas A&M, LSU, seven overtimes. This one's going to be tough to beat.
0: Yeah, I think I think this might be our win. I mean, this one was what seventy-seven, seventy-five or something was the final seventy-one,
1: maybe. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State was a good game, but there's, there's one on there that a lot of people might like, and a lot of our voters are probably going to be Alabama fans, but a lot of people are, will like the Jalen hurts arc. That's probably yes. the one that's going to make the best movie one day, but man, it's, it's tough to beat a seven overtime game where the losing coach had gotten a Gatorade poured on him an hour and a half earlier.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, a tough right. one to beat, man. That's, that's, that's tough. Those were two great games that happened, uh, almost in back to back weeks. Yeah. Um, Okay, the best play – or it was back-to-back weeks. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was. Uh, The best play – I'm going to try and put some links on Twitter so you guys can see these. If not, you can kind of look them up. TJ Vasher out of Texas Tech with a one-handed grab down the sideline over Ole Miss. One of the best one-handed – I would put it up there with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, it was one of the best one-handed catches I've ever seen. Um, In that Texas A&M LSU game, uh, Kellen Mond in triple overtime – scrambled for what seemed like five minutes and then threw off of one foot into the end zone. Uh, I think it was Rodgers down in the end zone made a one-handed grab where he tipped it up to himself on like third and 28 or something. Uh, so that was, that was another big one. And then I know this sounds ridiculous. I don't know the players' names because the broadcast was so bad, but it's one of the hardest football hits I've ever seen. Uh, Talison on special teams hit a Villanova player so hard that both of them got knocked unconscious. Like they're both out, and then there's a scoop and score at the other end. It was one of the hardest hits I think I've ever seen in football. Um, those are our three options for best play. Feel free to write in, too. If you feel like we missed something, you can write something in, but uh, for me, those were three of the best plays this year.
1: Absolutely, and play is a tough one because, you know, how do you quantify a great play? What moment was it in? But I think you picked some good nominees there. Best moment of the season? Uh, a lot of people might have forgotten that this happened, but Old Dominion was a 28-point underdog, 28-point dog, and they beat Virginia Tech when Virginia Tech was ranked, I think, 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh,
0: yeah, maybe 19th. They were in the top 25.
1: They were definitely in the top 25. I think they were 13. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go with 13 because it makes it more dramatic. And I, if I'm wrong, I'm not going to I, – I, whatever. Uh, screw you. Um <laughs> This is this is going to be the one. I mean, this is you know, the Purdue superfan Tyler Trent. Really everything he did and what he meant to the team this year um, was was pretty special, but 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 definitely the uh, 30 for 30 moment with him and the and the, the one that's probably going to be played at the espys if I had to guess was was him just really getting the crowd ready and really getting his claim to fame when he was um there with their upset over Ohio State. Right, you know, the team knew who he was, but that's that's the game where the nation found out who he was. Exactly, um, exactly. So yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Tyler Trent. I got to see him at the Music City Bowl. Uh, I did get to talk to him. He was, um, it, it's 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 kind of like tough to think about because he was, you know, we all knew his story. I mean, he knew he was. He only had yeah. a number of days. He knew that he was told, but he was. I would have a hard time talking to as many media people as I saw him having to talk to that day, but he was just smile on his face the whole time.
0: Yeah, it it was something.
1: It was something. It was surreal and it was humbling and it was amazing, and I'll never forget that Um, game day, college game day. Went to Pullman, Washington this year.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. That was crazy. I remember turning on the TV and seeing all of the Washington State flags and thinking, "Oh my word!" And it was a great game too. Great. It was a great game. Great.
1: So. Uh, they were not wrong there. What's our next category? We've got best true freshman,
0: uh, in parentheses, not named uh, Trevor Lawrence, because obviously that's the winner. Um, <laughs> Ro- Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Um, Andre Sisco out of Syracuse. You've got here, in parentheses, seven interceptions? And seven interceptions. Seven?
1: Well, he was probably... I know that a lot... He's not a household name yet, like... um you know Trevor Lawrence. Justin Ross is now a household name, but I didn't want to put Justin Ross in with when when it's called the not Trevor Lawrence award because whatever. I didn't want to. Um, Cisco was was a very good defensive back that had seven intercepts, Probably the best player on that defense. That hey took Trevor Lawrence or was it Kelly Bryant's? I think it was Trevor Lawrence.
0: Uh, it was Trevor Lawrence, but remember he got he injured got hurt. In the he,
1: they quarter. took they took Clemson down in the fourth quarter. They played Clemson yeah. way better than Alabama did.
0: Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And then uh, speaking of Alabama, the last nominee on this list is Jalen Waddell, uh, the wide receiver phenom and punt return. Let let me Uh, explain
1: my inclusion of him over Justin Ross. It was tough. It wasn't actually because I'm uh, butthurt. Um, They had similar numbers. Jalen Waddell did have more catches, did have more yards, did have more touchdowns, Um, but they were close. They were all pretty close yeah the yeah, inclusion think, was his impact it on right, special yes. teams uh, i was like well he's made a huge impact on special teams um and there we go yeah. you know, so that's why yeah. he's included over justin ross who you know
0: uh okay uh next we've got the uh 84 byu uh award this is the biggest surprise team from the season well um, you gotta explain why that...
1: 84 BYU. who was that team who were they uh, they were national champions, correct? BYU has a national championship. People, if that's not the biggest surprise team in history, I don't know what is. Um, the, the, the three Scormen teams Mormons. were the. I tried to choose teams that aren't traditional blue bloods, right? Because I mean, I could go, you know, yeah, hey, Clemson was a big surprise this year. How good were they? Or um, you know, Notre Dame was another one that could have been included. But some people had Notre Dame in their in their preseason final four and they're a blue blood you know when notre dame does well it shouldn't be surprising so i put syracuse this is in no particular order syracuse washington state kentucky all end of the year ranked all i think had three or less losses and all had big upset wins on their season so right this is the only one where i look at it and go i don't know who i would pick there
0: uh yeah that one's tough um There's one that sticks out to me a little bit more than the other two. Uh, I'll reveal that because I think they're probably going to win this, if I'm being honest. Um, All right, the Appalachian State Award uh, for the most surprising upset. Uh, Really only two here. Um, You've got Purdue over Ohio State. We talked about the game with uh, Tyler Trent and all that. Um, And Rondell Moore running all over Ohio State. And Urban Meyer pulling his hair out, thank goodness. Uh, And then Old Dominion. Over Virginia Tech. We talked about that as well. Um, But those are the two biggest upsets of the season by far.
1: And let me explain this one a little bit because I changed the verbiage. I did have biggest upset and then I changed it to most surprising. So it's really more of a question of which of these games surprised you more when it happened? Because again, biggest upset. Well, Old Dominion was a bigger upset because they were a bigger underdog. But I remember, you know, when Purdue swamped Ohio State, and Ohio State was undefeated, and we all thought that they were going to the playoff because they are playing really well at the time. Um, right. I remember just being, holy cow, blown away that that was the week that Ohio State fell. So it's up to you. Hey, it's 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 a question of which one surprised you more when it uh, right. I like
0: Right. I like the phrasing on that. I like the change of phrasing. Um, all right, we got the last day of school award. This is the most anticipated matchup uh, for next season.
1: Yes, you all non-conference. They can't be conference matchups because, of course, you know everybody looks forward to uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama. So this is non-conference. Right. I'm a little shocked you don't have
0: Alabama versus Duke on yeah. here. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> uh, LSU at Texas.
0: Notre Dame at Georgia. Uh, Texas A&M going down to Clemson. And then Auburn and Oregon, uh, they kick off the season. Correct? Yeah, they're
1: in Jerry World. I'll probably be yeah. there
0: if I had to. Yes. That's that's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, you get to see Justin Herbert in the flesh. Get to uh, see so this is, this is a good little list. I'd love to see LX, LSU at
1: Texas. That's, again, we're, we're trying not to tell people to vote for. See, and it's tough because LSU, Texas, we haven't seen yet. Like that's. That's a that's probably going to be the one that wins if I had to guess. But you know Notre Dame Notre Dame Georgia was such a good game the first time. Texas AM and Clemson was a great game, um, and uh, probably the only game that Clemson's going to be challenged in. And then uh, Auburn Oregon's that kind of kickoff vibe the 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 Dallas thing. Auburn wasn't very good this year, and, and Oregon was pretty good, not great. Yeah. So.
0: They, they, the wheels kind of fell off all right i'm a bit I'm sell, I'm
1: trying to sell that one more than the other three, but I do think it's obviously less all right the next uh the next award great friend to this um to this podcast just uh just a swell guy really when you think the word potential right yeah. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the word potential potential you mm-hmm. know especially potential to uh, contribute to society but I think of rob Norwood. Patrick yes. Norwood's older brother, older, uh, more successful um, brother, less was,
0: attractive and shorter. But yes, my brother. I
1: was gonna say I was gonna say more handsome, but you guys look like you look like the same dude. No, nah, I've got a beard now. We look nothing alike. <laughs> they look they look exactly alike. <laughs> uh, they look very the shortest, much alike. The
0: shortest person to ever cast a very large shadow, Rob Norwood. So, so this
1: is your brightest future award. Biggest right now, biggest future in three years. Right? In three years, which team is in the best position is what I'm asking you when I put this question. You've got Florida,
0: you've got Texas, and you've got Diet Texas, or (laughs) Texas A&M as some people like to call them.
1: (laughs) Wow. All right. Yeah. So, you know, in three years, which one of these teams is the most successful, is the best? It is tough to choose. I'm not sold on any of them, but I am very much sold that they're on the rise. If you told me at
0: the end of next season all of them would have seven wins, I would not be shocked at all.
1: Oh, I'd I'd, like, yeah, yeah, I think that's... all of them will have more than seven wins. No, 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 but I mean just seven. Oh. That would not surprise me. No. Um, that's a tough one. I really like Dan Mullen, and I really like what he's doing at Florida. Um, Texas looks like they're kind of figuring themselves out under, um, under, uh, what's his name? Um, help me out here tom herman tom herman thank you sorry someday, like i said
0: uh can we can we add something to best moment yeah uh can we add bevo charging (laughs) ugga because i i want to say this go back and watch that video the dog is the first one to realize something's not right like if you look (laughs) right before everything goes down Ugga kind of looks at both of the handlers and kind of starts backing up like hey guys guys and then right then it starts and it's one of the funniest i could watch that video all night
1: i mean it's your it was your it was your award nominee i'll let you add whatever you want but it is tough for me to add that silly moment to award that we know is going to go to the <laughs> tyler trent thing
0: i know but i i'm remiss if we don't add it it's in the spirit of the patties we have
1: to highlight all of these moments okay well here and then th- this is the award i'm most excited about it's the Steve Spurrier Award for the year's best soundbite. Um, we did this. I think our, our first. I think we did the patties after our first season, or was it our second?
0: First, it was the first season. So the one the that
1: award the, the award that won that year uh, the, the, was was Nick Saban's shit through a tin horn rant, and I'd say that that was the worthy winner. I think Nick yeah. Saban is pretty safe to put in this category every year, and so is either A. Mike Gundy or B. Mike Leach. We got both of them, and then we have. Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. This right. year we have the, um, the capability to play these sound bites for you. So I will. All right, so you've got Nick Saban's famous week one post game question answer. We all know it. I'm not going to, so quit asking. I'm not going to, so quit asking.
0: That was in reference to a question from Maria Taylor that was very innocent about uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua tonga
1: Yes. I'm not going to, so quit asking. Now we've got Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald being asked about the run-pass option and what he thinks about it. It's communism. I mean, it, I mean it's a pure, RPO is a purest form of communism. RPO, everybody, is communism. 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 And if he's essentially calling most college football coaches today a communist... Yes. Tuatanga Vailoa, Hawaiian communist. Uh, I mean, uh, would that make Gus Melzon the world's biggest communist? Oh my gosh, Nick Marshall. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh my gosh. Nick Marshall is, uh, is Karl Marx. Um. Karl, Mar- Karl <laughs> who,
1: Marx. Who is the Karl Marx of this discussion? If if the RPO is communism, you know who's the godfather of RPO? It's, it's got to be Gus, right? <laughs> who ushered it in? I don't know. I mean, he was a huge part of it.
0: Uh you could you could say Harbaugh and Kaepernick.
1: Yeah, that was that was the um the read option. Oh but my that's, gosh. Do you know do you know how many The read option is what became the RPO.
0: Do you know how many listeners we're going to lose if we say that Colin Kaepernick is a communist? <laughs> well well the podcast will never recover. iTunes will take us down.
1: Um, yeah, then we would get taken down. Uh, but, hey, I can tell you right now that the entire city of Miami thinks he is a communist because he was wearing a, that Fidel Castro shirt when he went to go play the Dolphins. Um, and then, uh, I have to disclaim, I don't think he's a communist, but... No, I don't either. Anyway, um, I'll play it one more time for you.
0: It's communism. I mean, it, I mean, it's a pure, RPO is a purest form of communism.
1: If you think that's the best bite of the year, vote for that. And then the final one is Mike Gundy. Um, I don't really know how to set this one up. This was just a, a game week presser when they were talking about, I believe they're talking about the team being, um, kind of underwhelming, underwhelming and people criticizing them on Twitter. And, uh, this is, yeah, I'll just play it. Yeah. Oh, I give a rat's about Twitter. <laughs> it's a platform for people that are sitting home, trolling an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. <laughs> I, I love this one because I get is, the point. It is he so was, childish. He was making a point that I don't care about Twitter. You know, I'm a man. I'm 40. I don't care about Twitter. Um, the fart noise was completely unnecessary, but he does yes. it twice.
0: He does it twice. He doubles down on it. He feels so good about it the first time. He's like a stand up comedian, right? Like, he, he's like, I'm killing right now. I've got to come with it again.
1: Because <laughs> here, here's what it is. Here's, here's what happened in that presser. He was asked, You know, your team's being criticized on Twitter. What do you think? Well, I don't care about Twitter. It's just a bunch of people sitting at home, thinking, you know, collecting their unemployment checks. That's the soundbite. But he decides to go, yeah, Oh, I I'm give wrong. a rat about Twitter. <laughs> it's a platform for people that are sitting home, throwing an unemployment check, sitting in front of a keyboard. <laughs> Everybody on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yep. All, all,
1: everybody. Everybody. This, this is the only award that matters. I'm sorry. It's the only <laughs> one that has fart noises in it.
0: Sorry, Tyler Trent.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's it. That's our, that's our, that's, that's this year's, that's, that's this year's nominees.
0: That's this year's nominees. We're, we're going to try and do this episode late next week. I don't know, we haven't really talked about it. Whenever we do it, how's that sound? And yeah, we'll, we'll, put the them up. we'll probably
1: put up sometime early in the week, the, the nominees. See, I know you said you're going to try to do it everywhere, but Twitter's changed in the three years since we've done this to where you can build a thread. It's just, I'm telling you, it would be so easy if you just put the vote. Oh, we're, we're definitely doing it on Twitter, but thread, I think, I think thread, we're going to do it on Facebook. Thread, well. and then everybody can go down the same thread and vote. We couldn't do that a couple years ago. And, yeah. um... People had to go search for them. Yeah. But however you decide that you want the voting to happen, that can be all gonna of it. you.
0: I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Britt, do you have anything else we got our
1: sound offs to do? Um, oh, there was something that was driving me nuts. I'll let you go yeah. first. I'm going to try to think of it. Yeah. So here's
0: my thing. I'm going to go on another NFL rant. I think this is number like 10 on sound offs, but it's deserved. Look at the last... For people who say they don't like college football as much as the NFL, I, I understand it if you're a giant NFL fan and you've got a team. If you don't have a team, I, I cannot get on the same page as you. It's, it's not physically possible for me to understand where you're coming from. Because look at the penultimate weekends of both of college football and the NFL. In the NFL... You had Drew Brees and the Saints getting robbed on the worst no-call in NFL history. I'll call it. It is the worst no-call in NFL history. They got jobbed. He should be in the championship game. There were multiple blown calls and give-me calls in the Patriots-Chiefs game, which actually I think wasn't terrible and is being compounded because of the game that preceded it. Sure, But those were the two big headlines. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. Then you go over to, in, to college football, and here were your headlines for the second last week. The Heisman runner-up and the Heisman trophy winner were going head-to-head, and it was a duel that the runner-up ended up winning by having one of the greatest games in college football playoff history. In the other playoff semifinal, you had a team get trounced by a Clemson team that eventually became a buzzsaw and ruined Everybody's here Everybody's here Everybody's here Then you had The claimed UCF National Champion Knights From 2018 Coming in to play a decent LSU team That got shut out by Alabama They got beat You had a live bull charge a bulldog Before a game started That game ended up being another great game you had all of these storylines all weekend long, and yet some people still don't think college football is as good or better than the NFL, which it 100% is.
1: I agree with it's you. Sound off of. And then, you know, actually for about 70% of years, really the main storyline going into every Super Bowl is Tom Brady, so it's the same story every year. Um no, I actually. Did sound off. Sorry. Go ahead. But I want to do another one after this. <laughs> That's fine. Actually, mine was NFL related because I was trying to think about what we were. I was arguing, not arguing. I was ranting with somebody yesterday at McAllister's Deli, as I ate my roast beef spud. Um... I don't know why, but that just grossed me out so bad. <laughs> just roast beef on a potato, bud. Yeah, but you just the way you said spud was just mm. terrible. Roast beef spud. Today's episode brought to you by McAllister's Deli Roast Beef Spud. Go pick one up today. They're if only a, you could crack open an ice cold spud. They're not a sponsor, but they do make a great spud. Um, no. Okay. This is for the people that after Drew Brees and the Saints lost in a heartbreaker to J- Jared Goff and the Rams on the, we all know what the thing, we know what happened, right? We know they blew right. the call. Right. Right. This is for the people whose hot take after that game has to be, well, you know, if the Saints had done such and such and such, then they would have had to be in that position. I abhor that take. I hate it. I hate it. So, well, you know, if they hadn't, you know, if they'd scored instead of kicking field goals earlier, I don't care, right? I don't care because games are so intricate. They put themselves in the situation to send themselves to the Super Bowl. No, no team plays a perfect game. Nobody literally no team will ever tell you they played a perfect game. But the Saints played a good enough game to win and they got robbed. We know what they were trying to do. We know it we know what they were trying to do. They were trying to get a first down, run the clock down and kick a chip shot field goal and that was taken from them. Right. That was taken from them. Or yeah, or they were trying to go score and, you know, end the game the other way, but that was taken from them. They didn't get yes. to do that. Right. They they play. I don't care. Yeah, they could have done something different earlier in the game. But the situation that the Saints put them did put themselves in, based on every other play in the game, was that they threw a pass where the guy hit him in a pass interference that would have given him first and goal. To go to the Super arguably Bowl. arguably
0: the greatest red
1: zone quarterback of all time. Exactly. With a 38, 39, 40, however old he is, Drew Brees. That's You're the right. situation they were in. And don't try to tell me that, well, you know, had they done this or that and that No, that's a terrible, god awful loser take. You're a loser if you say that. <laughs> okay, I'm going too far with it. But don't give me that take. That's a trash take. Awful. I don't right. care. They were there. That's what they were. So that's my take. That's my that's my hot. Don't ever give me second,
0: that. Second second sound off going off on the NFL. <laughs> Actually going off on everyone on Twitter. Mike Gundy. Oh,
1: hold on yeah oh, I'd give a rat about Twitter. Continue
0: that that has to be the winner. I'm gonna be so disappointed in our fans. <laughs> if it's not the winner. Um, everyone with these Tom Brady is the worst person alive takes. Uh, he's just he's just a garbage person. Why? what what proof do you have of that? He cheated. okay because he deflated some footballs. Joe Montana came out and said he did it intentionally the week after all that went down. These people that are, oh, oh he's a cheater. Well, he's not a team player. How do you know any of this? You just don't like the guy because he's w- he's a winner. Yeah, no, I'll admit that. That's why I can't Every, stand him. <laughs> no, I and I get it. And I know you feel this way about him. But you need to quit being a baby and lighten up because you're witnessing history. He's the greatest player of all time. Yes. And people are mad about that. I I just don't understand it. I just don't get it. One day your grandkids are going to be like, did you get to watch Tom Brady play? And half of America is going, no, freaking 80% of America is going to be pissed off and be like, yeah, he was the worst. And your grandkids going to slump back in, sit down in front of a TV watching old Sports Center reruns and watching Tom Brady just light people up. And because you have such a crappy attitude about your crap NFL team, This is not targeted at you, although it's kind of targeted at you. It's
1: kind of targeted. But hey, no, see, my my opinion of Tom Brady is the end of uh, Anchorman when, um, when, uh, when he looks at Ron Burgundy and says, I straight hate you, Ron Burgundy but damn, do I respect you. That's how I feel. Yeah. I just hate him, and I'm tired of and him winning, but he keeps doing it, so it makes me mad. He keeps doing
0: it. He's 40 years old. Forty was one. there
1: a doubt in your mind the other night when he got
0: the ball in overtime that he was going to win that game? There was not a doubt in my game mind was that over. were going to win that game.
1: Game was over, and I could do a whole nother sound off on, on how stupid the NFL overtime is, but I'm oh, going to spare it's, you guys with that. It's terrible. So that's that's my other hot take. Now we're done, right? We,
0: we There's nothing else we could possibly say.
1: Yeah, unless I want to tell you that, which I don't think you're in this boat anymore, even though we both kind of used to be. The things you just attributed to Tom Brady can all be said about LeBron James, too.
0: 100%.
1: 100%. You're,
0: and you were you're 100% right to call me out.
1: <laughs> and actually, LeBron James is way more squeaky clean.
0: Uh, yeah. But, yeah.
1: Um, okay. I don't, that's, I, don't,
0: I don't know if squeaky clean's the right. It, what has he ever done?
1: I mean, what has Tom Brady done? Well, I mean, he, the Patriots has do Don't
0: give me deflate, Gate.
1: No, I said squeaky clean. Tom Brady's not squeaky clean. He has—his te- his team, during this dynasty, has lost two first-round draft picks because they were caught cheating. I don't think it's as big of a deal. It's not. They won all the Super Bowls based off the fact that they're a great dynasty, not the fact that they cheated. But, you know, it is some. is—it's something. LeBron James doesn't have a something, at least from what he does on the court. He doesn't have a something. And he's never, you know, done anything dumb off the court. Right. He built a school. So, I don't know. You're right.
0: You're right. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I I'm just same I mean we could do this for every sport. What about Sidney Crosby?
1: Sidney Crosby. Absolutely.
0: And hey, like, I know you don't I, like Sidney Crosby. I can't Crosby. stand Sidney Crosby. Why? Uh no, cuz he beat my predators in the Stanley Cup and it made me feel sad.
1: And then he beats it, and then he wins on on Canada. I'm like stop playing for Canada. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though you're Canadian.
0: So I mean, you're right. It it could be said for it's the same argument with Alabama football, Duke men's basketball, Carolina men's basketball. People, oh well, I hate them. Why? Oh, because they win. I hate Coach K. Why? Oh, because he wins all the time. Penn State. Shut up. Shut up. But we do. Hey, we
1: we want we we love underdogs, sports fans. So we don't want if unless it's a team we like. The problem is, I just
0: don't. I just don't care. I just don't care. Oh, if UMBC I wasn't was an Virginia Alabama grad, I would hate it, Alabama. It was the best. It, look, UMBC beating Virginia last year is the best underdog that will ever be because their mascot is actually a dog. <laughs> All right, we're and going. Not, not only is it a dog, it's, <laughs> the, it's a golden retriever. It's the cutest dog in the world. Mm. Mine is Skyler and Alice and Duncan. Thank you. Jade furiously pointing at Bosco in the background.
1: <laughs> Sweet dog. I said
0: I said, dog. Bosco can be on the list too.
1: All right. I think we're going to wrap it up here. I think that's, that's going to be it for episode 27. Uh,
0: be on the lookout for the nominees. Um, and next episode will be our last episode of the year. We might do some off-season stuff. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Brick and I have always wanted to do this podcast I uh, couldn't do it without you. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think, what your mood is, uh, and how we did. Um, I think right now we're up to like six or seven five star reviews. I mean, I'm not flexing, but we're kind of flexing. That's right pretty now. good, you right know, there. That's that's thirty or thirty five total stars. So, you name another thirty. That's stars a great recruiting back. class.
1: Six right. five stars is a nice recruiting class.
0: Salute everybody! Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time for your favorite podcast from Tahiti. So long.